I'm Pastor Gerald Rico, and this message is a part of our online ministry here at River of Life in Menominee, Wisconsin. To find out more about us, please visit our website, riveroflife.co. Again, that is riveroflife.co. But for now, prepare your heart and enjoy this message. Well, good morning, church. I am so excited to be worshiping you with you today. It is wonderful to see so many smiling faces out there. Mark, I love that shirt. You're rocking it, man. Well, hey, in case you haven't figured it out already, I'm not in the building. We have had to make some decisions this week and for the safety of my family and for just trying to make sure that we're being responsible. We have decided... Uh, to worship at home today, but I was so excited about this message, I wanted to make sure that you guys got to hear it. And so we wanted to continue the series that we started a couple weeks back, talking about how hope is here. And so even though I may not be here, hope is. And wherever you are, God is right there. That's that's the most important part. I, I may not be here, I'm, I might be with all of you who are watching online, I'm, I'm at your house, right? Well, I'm actually not at your house. That'd be kind of creepy. But I, I'm worshiping with my family at home. For those of you who are worshiping in person, I know that God has something special in store for you. God has something special in store for us. And I'm just believing that God is going to do exceptionally more than we could dream or imagine in this moment. And so thank you for your prayers for me and for my family and, and really wanting to encourage you to continue to pray for our community. There's a lot still going on with COVID and this second wave. I feel like it's, it's hitting Menominee harder than the first wave did. But let's, let's be a people of faith and continue to believe that God is going to do great things even in the midst of these difficult times. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk with you about today is this idea of God being with us. And... As we're thinking about that, I want you to think about what is your favorite movie or maybe your top five favorite movies. And I want to encourage you to think about what's the story in those movies. There's a good chance that there's at least one movie in your top five that falls into a certain category. Matter of fact, some of these movies that are out there I feel like they're telling the same story and they're just telling it over and over, but they're changing the characters a little bit. And they're changing, and, and they're, but they're movies that we keep making because they're movies we keep loving to go to. Some examples of this genre of movie that I'm talking about are movies like Rudy or Rocky or Cool Running or Eddie the Eagle, and I'm not just meaning sports movies. It's, I mean, even I would say a little bit of Lord of the Rings and a little bit of Star Wars would fall into this genre too. It's the story of the underdog. And, and the thing is, when, when you, we watch these movies, is there's, just, there's just this sense that we have this, we're rooting for the underdog. We're rooting for the person who is the least likely hero to come out and, and to find their way and to to just awe the crowd, to, to slay the dragon, to save the princess, to, to win the trophy, to get up on the field. Like, th- this, is, this is something that we all love. Because the truth is, who doesn't love a good underdog, right? 
Okay, I, I realize that at this moment, while this is up on the screen, I've completely lost my audience. So let's just take a few moments in awe and ooh and Google over Bobby. I asked Marquia to send me this picture of Bobby and just uh, wanted you to recognize the underdogs. We root for them because they're so cute. Okay, that's enough. Stop oogling over Bobby. We're back up here to, here to me. But, but here's the thing. We love underdogs. We love the fact that there are these people who defy the odds, who go through the most unlikely of circumstances, and they come out the other side the victor. And the truth is, this is a story that resonates with us because I think it's a story that God has placed inside of us, that he has created a longing in us to do something greater than what we're currently living up to. And that if we would simply lean into his story, we'd be amazed at what that will open up for us. And so today, as we are continuing our series talking about how hope is here, I want to encourage you with a message that has been entitled, Hope for the Underdog. Hope for the Underdog. And in this series, and in this message particularly, I want to talk about a very famous underdog. Actually, probably the most famous underdog in the history of the world. It, it, it's a man by the name of David. Now, if I said David and you immediately knew who I was talking about, it's because of how famous this story has become. As a matter of fact, I was, uh, sometime last year, I was doing my devotions with my wife. Well, actually, that, that's a lie. I was sitting next to my wife who was doing her devotions while I was playing Sudoku, and she was listening to the Bible app, going through her uh, Bible in a Year plan, and so I was listening along. And I can still remember, as she was listening to that, the, the scripture that was being read aloud just it struck something in me to the point where like, man, I, I've got to remember that. I've got to, I've got to share this. And so it, it's a simple passage, and it's 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8 and 9. And this is a, a passage that is a promise to King David. David wants to build a temple for God. He, he's been a king for a long time now, and he wants to make a temple for God because God's temple has been living in a tent. The tabernacle that people worship at is a tent rather than a building. And so he wants to build a building in Jerusalem for people to worship at. And because of his desire to honor God in that way, God, through the prophet Nathan, speaks to David. And here are the words that we have captured when Nathan goes to speak to David. It's found in 2 Samuel 7, verses 8 and nine. Again, this is God speaking to Nathan and saying, Now go and say to my servant David, This is what the Lord of heaven's army has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone. And I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now, 
I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on earth. I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on earth. When I heard the Bible app saying that out loud, it just it struck me. Because this is a promise given 3,000 years ago. And yet, it proves God's faithfulness. The story that I'm about to share with you, the story of David and Goliath, is one of the most recognized Bible stories in all the world. A matter, as a matter of fact, this story is so powerful and so well-known that it transcends religion, it transcends culture, it transcends languages and people groups. This story has been told all over the world. And so when we read this in 2 Samuel, where God's telling David, I'm going to make you as famous as anyone else in the world, this has actually came to pass. Even some of these movies that I just rattled off, movies like Rocky, movies like The, you know, the Miracle, or, or different things like that, you hear them making comments about that. This is a David and Goliath kind of matchup. We hear that in sports all the time. It's a David and Goliath kind of comparison. And so what we're going to read is not, should not be that unfamiliar to you. This should be a story you know. But I want us to take some of the essence from it and, and maybe look at it a little bit differently, but also choose to apply this to our lives. That we wouldn't just simply hear the story again and say, oh, that was a great story, but recognize that this is a story that is calling us to live lives that honor God with the way we live. So I'm going to go ahead and read the first part of this story. And we find this story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 17 through 23. And this is how it reads out of the New Living Translation. One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread, and carry them quickly to your brothers. And give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along, and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon, the Israelites and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistines' ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you this morning. 
We thank you for the message that you have prepared for us. I pray that as we go to your word, that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would illuminate hearts, that wherever people are, wherever they encounter this message, that you would speak your truth and illuminate that to their hearts so that they could live lives that honor you. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much for what you do. And we ask all of these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, why don't you wave at a couple of people in the audience. Let them know that you are excited to be worshiping with them today. Uh, if you're online, make sure you throw up some praise emojis. I'm, I'm right there with you, uh, praising along with you. We are going to continue this series, and we're looking at this idea of hope. And this, again, this is a story that most of us should know. It's a famous story, a story about a young teenage boy who's sent out to go visit his family who's fighting in a war. And there was this giant on the other side battling against their army. And what we didn't read is that for 40 days, Goliath had come out and taunted the people of Israel. He said, bring your strongest warrior and I will fight him hand to hand. And whoever wins, if I win, you will be my subjects. If you win, if, this, if your champion wins, we will all be your subjects. And it seemed like a good battle strategy rather than hundreds of people dying. Only one person would die and it would, it would end the whole war. However, Goliath was nine feet tall and a skilled warrior, and just an intimidating force. And so he would get up and he would taunt the people of Israel, and no one would come forward. And this went on for 40 days. For 40 days, he would get up and he would throw down the challenge. He would say, if one of you can beat me, then we will all be your servants. And for 40 days, we read, the Israelites came out, they they were in their ranks, they were shouting and they were yelling and they were doing their battle cries. But as soon as Goliath gave his challenge, they all backed down. And on the 40th day, David shows up bringing cheese and grain and, and a bunch of other things to help his brothers, not knowing what was going on, not knowing that he was about to step into that promise. Even before the promise was given, that he was about to do something that would make him famous throughout all of the world. And what I, one of the things that I want us to see here this morning, that as we look at this passage, is that oftentimes when we are facing things that, that are coming our ways, battles surprise us. David wasn't expecting to go into a battle. Battles surprise us. We, we have a tendency to walk into things not recognizing the level of difficulty we are entering into. Not realizing that what's about to happen, what the doctor is about to say, or, or what the lawyer is about to say, or what the person on the other side of the phone is about to say, is going to radically change our lives. 
And so we should have a little bit of understanding from David here this morning. We should feel a little bit of what he's going through. That he stepped into a, an errand and ended up in a battle. We, we read this, that this was just what his day was. In verse 23, or sorry, verse 17, we read, One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. What we don't read here is Jesse saying to David, Take your sword, make sure you're well equipped for the battle because you might face a giant while you're on your way with this lunchable. Like, he, he wasn't expecting a fight. He wasn't anticipating neither his father, Jesse, nor David himself. None of them were expecting that there was going to be a battle at the end of this DoorDash. That, that, as, that he, as he's running these meals to his brother, they're not expecting that there's going to be a battle on the other side of it. And what would become one of the most defining moments in David's life happened simply because he was being obedient. In verse 20, we read, So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He did exactly what he was told. He didn't wait. He, he set his affairs in order so that he wasn't being irresponsible. But he just simply stepped out. And, and what I want you to recognize is that sometimes the battles we face, they're going to come our way simply because we're being obedient. When I look at this last year, when I look at some of the things that we have had to walk through as a family or as I have had to walk through as an individual, it'd be nice to believe that every bad thing happened only happened because we were in disobedience. But so often, the battles that we have had to face have come even while we're being obedient, sometimes even because we have been obedient. And so I don't know what you might be facing today. I don't know what struggles or what challenges might be in front of you. But I want to encourage you, do not let that be a reason for you to stop trusting in God. Don't, don't use the bad circumstances around you as an excuse to think God isn't being faithful. I have served my God long enough to know that it doesn't matter what diagnosis comes our way. It doesn't matter what crisis rises up. He is greater. He is stronger. He is able to meet us in the middle of that. And so I want to encourage you to be a people who trust in God, that together we would have a faith that would say, we are not going to allow the giants to bully us around. We are not going to allow the circumstances to tell us where we're going to put our faith. But we're going to trust in God because we believe in the God of the underdog. We believe in a God who takes these difficult circumstances and produces something good out of them. So we see in this story that battles will surprise us. But I also want you to see that even though battles surprise us, 
the truth is also there that God has prepared us. God has prepared us for the battles that we are stepping into. Like I said, sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Sometimes it feels like you're just going through your day and you just get blindsided by something and you weren't expecting it. You weren't prepared for it. It completely takes the wind out of your sails. It knocks you on your feet or off your feet that you feel just completely deflated. But we have a God who has been working behind the scenes and there is something that he has produced in you in the past that will give you the grace and the strength and the ability to face whatever you're going through in this moment too. As we keep reading the story, David decides to go and to talk about his plan that he's going to take down this giant. He's decided enough is enough. For 40 days, you all have been listening to these taunts. For 40 days, you have been allowing the enemy to dictate your destiny. It's enough. I'm going to go face this giant. I'm going to go take down the enemy. I'm going to go win a battle for the Lord. And so he goes and he tells his story to the one person who needed to hear it the most, the king. The king for 40 days has been begging someone to stand up in the gap, begging someone to go forward and face this giant. And finally, he gets an answer to his prayer, but it's not the answer he was hoping. He, he was maybe hoping for some miracle grow on one of his soldiers that this guy would grow up overnight and just be a massive giant who would take on Goliath. Instead, this scrawny little teenage boy comes walking into his, his tent and says, hey, I got a message for you. So this is where we're going to pick up the story. In verse 32 and 33, we, we see David's boldness as he get, comes in front of the king. He says this, Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I will go and fight him. To which Saul replies with great faith and great fervor, Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. It's all saying, this isn't possible. You, you're coming up to me saying, you're going to fight this giant. There's no way I'm going to let you go out there. You are a little kid, and this guy is a warrior. He's twice your size. He, literally twice your size, he will eat you for lunch. But David decides to let, Paul, let Saul know about his resume because he recognizes God has been preparing him for this moment. So we read David's resume in the next couple of verses. It says, But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. So basically, David is saying, I've taken on lions, I've taken on bears. I, I know what it is to walk through difficult circumstances. I know that God has helped me in the past 
when I faced those beasts. And then he keeps going. He says this in, in verses 36 and 37. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I will do this to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. David is saying, I trust that God is going to get me through. If he can save me from those creatures, if he can save me from those beasts, he can save me from this Philistine. It doesn't matter how big he is, I'm going to take him down. I'm, I'm not going to allow the enemy to dictate who we are any longer. I'm not going to let him say we are weak, we are insignificant. I'm going to step into the void and I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And the truth is, in this moment, maybe you're looking at your circumstance and you're saying, I am not prepared for what I'm walking through right now. I can, I can tell you personally that as we walk through these issues with COVID, there's so much of it that makes me feel like I'm unprepared. And there's so many pastors who confided in me to say, how do we handle this? I, d- I didn't take a COVID class when I went to Bible college. I don't know how to navigate through these waters. And together we're going, we don't get how to handle everything that's in front of us. But this is what I know. God raised us up for such a time as this, that whatever we're dealing with right now, God has created something in our backstory that will give us the strength to get through these days too. I love what my pastor back in Georgia used to say. He would, he would often say, if God fails you, you will be the first one. And that's a pretty good track record. And so we have so much uncertainty around us, but we have a certain God. I, li- I like the way Corey Ten Boom uh, says it. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. She's, she's reminding us that it doesn't matter what we're walking through. We have the ability to walk through it with a confidence because we know our God. And those sound like trite words until you recognize she's a woman who walked through the Nazi concentration camps, that she watched relatives and friends die because they were trying to be faithful to God, and yet she saw God use her life to reconcile many people to Christ. So, We have a confidence that a God who can do that, a God who can use David, a God who can take the history of the church and and sow it in the midst of so much discord and so much difficulty, and yet we still come out the other side victorious. We have a faithful God. And so there David is in front of Saul. I don't know if it was the Spirit of God or David's tenacity, but Saul finally lets in. He, he says, there, there's something on this boy, and we're, we're going we're gonna to give him the opportunity to take on Goliath. And so at first, they try to put armor on David, something he's never worn, and, and try to prepare him. And as David's preparing, he's like, this doesn't fit me. This isn't what I'm used to. And so you, we all know the story. He goes down to the river. He gets his 
five smooth stones. He puts them in, the, in his pouch and he grabs a sling and he walks up to this giant. And the giant just looks down at David and laughs. He, he sees his size and he's just he's amazed that here he is, this great man of war, and this little kid is in front of him. And he, he looks down at David, and he looks down at the army of Israel, and he says, am I a dog that you would come at me with sticks? To which Bobby says, what's so bad about that? Okay, we're, we're going to oogle at Bobby for one more second. Ooh, ah. All right, okay, back to the story. So we recognize that when David steps up, the battle surprised him. God prepared him, but the hope he brought with him was contagious. Yeah, David was, was in the middle of what seemed to be a difficult circumstance, even an impossible circumstance. But God helped him. God was there with him, and with one swing of his sling, the giant fell. We don't know what is on the other side of our obedience. But I'll tell you this, when we see God come through, the hope that it will produce in us will be contagious to the other people in this room. The hope that is produced in us will be contagious to the people in our neighborhoods. When, when we begin to experience God doing great things in our lives, it can't help but pour out to the world around us. So I want to encourage you, let's have a contagious kind of hope. We read this as we keep reading, that after David took down Goliath, in verse 50, this is what the author tells us. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. He used it to kill him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. So David won. He knocked down the giant. The Philistines were terrified that here this little kid comes in and takes down a nine-foot-tall giant, and they turn around and run. But probably one of the saddest verses in all the Bible is the next verse. And it may not sound sad at first, but let me explain it to you. In verse 52, we read this. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath into the gates of Ekron. Now, this verse is sad because of that first word. Then, then the Israelites were full of hope. Then the Israelites were full of courage. Once David knocked down the giant, and it, it makes sense, right? But the truth is that this story didn't have to end this way. You know, if it was me and, and, and I was in the army, I would have done something more like this. I would have said, okay, let's pick somebody to put in front of Goliath. 
And then we're going to put him in front of Goliath and their champion's going to come down and then we're going to set up an ambush and we're all going to chase him down and we're all going to take down Goliath together and we're going to beat him to a pulp and then we're going to go after the enemy because that's what we're called to do. We're called to defeat the enemy. Now, obviously, it's not as cool of a story that way. But let me suggest this to you. How many times have we fought the enemy's battle on the enemy's terms? Goliath was putting out his agenda and the Israelites were simply cowering at his impressive size. They were unwilling to consider there was a better way to do this. They were unwilling to consider they didn't have to listen to the taunts of the enemy. They didn't have to take whatever this giant was throwing their way. They could choose to say, no, we will not fight this battle your way. We will fight it the way God has commanded us to fight it. But in any case, David steps up. One man steps up and says, we're not doing this the enemy's way anymore. We're not going to fight the enemy's battles the way he wants them fought anymore. We're going to step into our destiny. We're going to do what God has called us to do. And he stood up. He had his sling. He dropped the giant. And it changed history. So that when God would promise that your name will be as famous as anyone in all the earth, that has come true. We're still telling the story 3,000 years later because one man, actually one boy, stood up and said, I'm not going to listen to the enemy anymore. I'm not going to let you listen to the enemy anymore. I'm going to step into the destiny for which I was created. This morning, I want to challenge you. What giant have you been asked to confront? What, what obstacle has been put in your way that you're tired of that obstacle telling you you're not enough or that your God is not enough. I believe that hope is one decision away for some of us. And when we make that decision, it's not only going to spark hope anew in us, but that hope is going to be contagious to our congregation, to our community, and around the world. Who knows, but that one person in our congregation could just decide that they're going to end poverty in Dunn County. And they, they put forth efforts to make sure that we take care of that issue here once and for all. What if there's someone in this, under the sound of my voice here this morning, that you decide... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something about the children in our community. We, we need to be making an impact on the next generation. And I'm not willing to see one child, I'm not willing to see one youth go without hearing the gospel in a way that they can understand and that they can, they can respond to. What if there would be just one person in this church who got a passion for the unreached people groups of this world? That, that there would be something that would rise up in one person that says, I'm going to go reach a people group that's never been reached before. 
What if there was someone in this congregation that would believe in the power of prayer, that prayers really do change the world, and that we would become a people of prayer because we see one person getting contagiously hopeful about the power of prayer. I believe that if we got enough of us together who are believing and hoping that our church could ignite the world, that we could take on the giants and that we could see them fall, that we don't have to take on these things all by ourselves, that we don't have to fight these battles by the enemy's standards, that we can use the faith that God has given us and that we can choose together to see God do exceptionally more than we could hope or even imagine. I'm believing that for you this morning. I'm believing that for me. I'm believing that for River of Life, that we could be a people who see giants fall because we're willing to share infectious hope. So, I really want to encourage you. I know I've been saying this for weeks and may sound like I'm, I'm beating this over and over, but I believe the greatest hope for the world is the church, and the greatest hope for the church is that we would be a people of discipleship. And so that's why we've created this community called Lifeguards, and why we're going to continue to build into this that we want to see more people get involved with this idea, whether you're doing it on Facebook or whether you're doing it in, in, through other means. We want to find ways of connecting people. And as we get done with this series, we're going to start connecting people in with the idea of life groups, that we'd be a people who pour over Scripture together, that we pray for non-believers, that we practice hospitality and that we pursue accountability with one another, that we hold each other to these standards because these are biblical standards. These are what we are called to do as disciples of Christ. And I'm that one person who's just crazy enough to believe that if we start doing discipleship right, if we start taking seriously the call to be disciples and to make disciples, that we will see giants fall in our community and around the world. And so if you're as excited about that as I am, if you're as excited as I am to see the world changed, then I want to encourage you to sign up to be a part of Lifeguards. You can do that by either simply texting the word follow to our text and church number 715-953-4060. Again, just the word follow, 715 715- 953-4060 and we will get you connected or you can go to our Facebook page where we've created this community group and you can get there by going to riveroflife.co forward slash follow and there's just two quick questions you have to answer and we'll get you in the group and we're going to be creating content within that group and we're going to push it out outside of Facebook as well that we will be discipling each other and teaching each other what it is to make disciples because we want infectious hope. We want to see the power of the underdog. I mean, what if something radical came out of Menominee, Wisconsin? Nobody would have expected it. That's the kind of faith I want us to have this morning because I want to be a people who choose faith over fear. We choose faith over fear. Now, hear me when I say that. That doesn't mean we just live foolishly. 
Choosing faith over fear doesn't mean I never wear my seatbelt and I always drive 200 miles an hour because God's going to protect me in my stupidity. that's, That's not what faith over fear means. It means we don't choose the fear tactics that the enemy wants to use against us, that we are going to stand and make responsible decisions, but decisions that are based on our trust and our love for Jesus Christ. Because I believe God wants to meet us there. That when we choose faith, God will protect us and He will be the one to prepare us for what we're going to walk through. I believe that when we choose faith, He's going to be the one to use the enemy's own weapon against them. The same way David used Goliath's own sword against him. I believe that when we choose faith, He will use our lives to make the name of Jesus famous. I mean, ultimately, that's what David has done. David was made famous so that he could point people to Jesus Christ. Because one of the names of Jesus is the son of David. What if our lives were so full of faith that when people think of us, they're actually getting pointed to Jesus Christ? Why why would I believe that for this congregation? Because I believe God loves underdogs. And I believe he wants to do something great in your life. I believe he wants to do something great in my life in the life of this church, that in a global pandemic, he could rise up people who would take him at his word, live radically different lives, and show the world what it is to be a people who stand with faith faith in the face of giants. I'm believing that today, and I hope you are too. And if you're in this room or if you're watching us online and you don't know Jesus, you don't know what it is to have this faith, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that right now. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if that's you, if you can feel the Holy Spirit right now tugging at your heart saying, you need Jesus. You need this hope that's being offered this morning. I want to encourage you to pray a simple prayer. You can pray this out loud, or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. You can use my words, or you can use your own. But I want to encourage you to pray something simple like this. Pray, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. Please forgive me for my sin for the mistakes that I've made, for the people that I've hurt. Forgive me of that old life. Today I turn away from that life and I choose to follow Jesus. Holy Spirit, fill me. Help me live for Jesus every day of my life. God, I thank you for this new life. You have all of mine. As I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, could you come 
talk with one of our prayer team. Uh, we, we're probably going to have some people come up to the front here in just a moment to pray. If you're online, if you're on a live stream, there should be a button coming up where you can say that I've made that commitment to follow Jesus. Or uh, if this, you're coming across this information later, reach out to us through Facebook or through an email or something. Let us know you've made that decision. We want to make sure you get everything you need to live a life of faith that glorifies Jesus. And so for the rest of us, I want to pray a prayer of blessing on us. Uh, if you're in our live uh, stream right now, the worship team should be coming up. The, the prayer team should be finding a corner here in the sanctuary for you to connect with one of them. Why don't we all actually just stand right now if you're able to. And I'm going to pray a blessing over us. And let's, 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 if you're here in the live service, we're going to sing one more song and we're going to praise God. And, and if not, take some time and praise God right where you're at. But let's leave today with a determination. We are going to trust the God of the underdog and we are going to spread hope as far as we can. Let me pray that over us today. Jesus, we thank you for the hope that only comes through you. We thank you that you have put inside of us something that can change the world, at least that can change the world around us. So give us faith to believe that what you are producing in our lives is going to have a positive impact in the world around us. And God, as we prepare to go out and live this mission for you, please bless us and protect us. Jesus, be gracious toward us and smile upon us. Help us to every day walk in your favor and in your peace as we pray these things in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Hope to see you next week. Let's, let's go out and praise God loud. Amen.